0: Basically like for this class and the next class it's it's going to be doing a lot of this of just troubleshooting and but I think this is valuable because you're actually doing the research and you're you're sort of confronting the problems that will naturally come up and so I'd rather address them in class um, together because you're probably having overlapping questions so feel free to come with like questions little specific things or you know even if you can't find variables or, or whatever that's Sort of part of the process. So, uh, the, the thing I want to uh, sort of start with is by pulling way back um, to talk about the scientific method. And this relates to sort of the theory section that you guys are developing. And I noticed a, a common theme um, that I think would be helpful to address. So, and I, I, I think I graded Chris's paper first. And so you get the most comments from me. <laughs> and then it trickled down. So. I went back and
1: changed all my sources. OK. So, I turned like, a, like <laughs> journals.
0: Oh, good, good, yeah, so, and um, my, just so you know, my style of comments and papers, I'm sure it comes across as harsh, um, <laughs> just because I'm trying to go, go through quickly and sort of cover as much stuff that I notice or whatever, um, but I think you guys are making good progress, and I'm just sort of trying to force it to be sharper and, and crisper and stuff, so um, I, I'm feeling good about uh, your projects, very good. So, just so you know. Uh, so, scientific method. Um, we do this not just in, in the natural sciences, but also in the social sciences. And, and sort of the process for the scientific method is uh, theory-based. So, uh, the first step in the process is forming a theory uh, to explain a social phenomena. And so I'm gonna give the scientific method for social sciences. But it's, you're sort of, you're, you're an observer of society and you notice a particular phenomena. Um, So the phenomenon could be that that married people are more happy than unmarried people. And that's just sort of of an observation that you make. And so you want to form a theory that explains the social phenomena. So the, the theory is not married people are more happy. That's just sort of a description of a social reality or even sort of a, a speculation but a theory would would explain why married people tend to be more happy and so so when i'm talk- when i'm asking you for a theory it's not sort of describing um, a social phenomena but it's more explaining why that social phenomena exists you come up either you come up with a theory or what i'm asking you guys to do is in journal articles find theories that are sort of being thrown out there and and almost for every social phenomena, you'll find a theory that sort of explains it in one direction. And then there's another theory out there that might say, no, actually people who are not married are more happy. And there'll be a theory to explain why that's the case or why we'd expect that type of finding. And so then as the researcher, you come up with a hypothesis. And a hypothesis is um, it's a, it's a testable um, uh, hypothesis based on your theory the process is sort of saying here's this theory out here that says that um, that explains why married people are more happy and so then you construct a hypothesis that says people who are married um, will tend to score higher on the happy scale and so you're going to test this theory Um, and, and and so the hypothesis is sort of a very specific statement that is based on your theory. Uh, and then and then you test it. And so you test the hypothesis using data. We're using the GSS, and we have specific vari- variables that we can use or that we have access to. And then after we do our hypothesis test, we assess the strength of evidence for or against the hypothesis. So this is sort of the big picture process that we're going through, but the I think a part where we're getting stuck is developing or identifying the theory, um, because just to say, you know, I believe married people are, are happier than um, unmarried people isn't really doing scientific research. It's just more, it's an op-ed piece or some, uh, some opinion that you have. Whereas we want to sort of uh, do more rigorous research that basically says, okay, I think this is how the social world operates and here's my theory that sort of explains why we would expect married people to be more happy talk about marriage and happiness specifically Uh, so this is from one of one of the articles that someone sent me um, making making a claim that married people are more happy but in the description the student put or for the theory they just put married people are more happy and what I really want and this is in the article is this theory it says social causation theory contends that marriage increases happiness by providing emotional and financial support. These, in turn, buffer against the travails of life and preserve or increase happiness." So this is, if you, if you look in the article, this is the theory that's sort of driving uh, their research. It isn't just, well, I'm married and I'm happy, so I think everyone else should be happy. It's more there's actually sort of things going on within the marriage contract that actually cause greater happiness. And so for each of your articles, um, particularly the academic articles, if you look um, within the first couple pages, you'll find the theory. And, but not all of them do. Um, you know, Some of them are just purely descriptive, like they're just describing a social phenomena. And especially like uh, Gallup Poll or Pew Research or any of these sort of big research groups, they just more uh, describe outcomes, which is what you saw. And so it's kind of like, And if you ask the question, well, why why are religious people more this or that, they typically don't go into that. They just say, this is what is. Um, Really, I mean, if if you're pulling from uh, an academic article or a book, um, you'll be able to find the theory that they're using. You have to dig a little bit, um, but it's in there. And it's basically asking the question of why or explaining, or you'll see the word theory. That's in there, and so it's a matter of pulling that out. So let's see. So the the hypothesis then. So here's the theory, big theory out there. The hypothesis sort of takes this theory and puts it into a testable form, and the hypothesis is, can be very simply stated. Being married is positively associated with happiness. That's all it needs to be. It doesn't actually the the simpler the better, because you just you want it to be a very focused thing that you're testing. Um, in general, especially since we have like five hypotheses that we're doing, it's, it's best to sort of start with your independent variable here on the first part and then your dependent variable as the second part because you're sort of, what you're interested in is sort of the relationship of your independent variable and its effect on your dependent variable. And so just for consistency, it's easiest to kind of read through because we're not talking about Happiness leading to marriage like happy people tend to get married more, you know That's just a different research question And so you want to keep your independent variable first and then sort of you know as far as structuring your hypothesis So then the test that we that we're doing to test this hypothesis. We're using the GSS Data to see if being married has a significant positive effect on a person's happiness uh, happiness score again, we're, we're starting with big theory and then we sort of distill it down into sort of a, a one sentence hypothesis that we can test. And you could, there's other um, uh, hypothesis that you could draw from this theory. Like if you were studying emotional well-being, or let's see, financial well-being, you could say that sort of marriage leads to more financial, greater financial stability. And so you could look at like income and marriage and things like that. So there isn't one hypothesis that comes with a theory. And then the, the last part is inference. Uh, use the results of the hypothesis test to decide whether the data provides strong enough evidence to support the hypothesis or theory. So you're basically, you're, you're sort of taking on this theory and either giving evidence for it or against it. And, and the hypothesis is, is, in a sense, linked to that theory. And if there's enough sort of failed hypotheses that you know enough that um, that don't get support for it, then we basically conclude this theory isn't really a very good theory. It doesn't it doesn't actually explain uh, the social world in the way that we'd expect it. So when I'm asking for theory, it's what I want to know is sort of why you chose the independent variables that you chose, and it's based on theory that's out there. So, and I, I kind of covered this sociological theory. A theory not only describes a relationship, but provides an explanation for the relationship. And so, and you know, there's good theory and bad theory. And so it's like, you sort of have to be convinced of it too. If, you know, that if you're going to put it into your paper and use it to, to um, test the relationship, you want it to be a a good theory, or one that you believe. Uh, so then this would be helpful. So um, provide the citation of the article, as well as a link to the PDF. Like some of you did just gave me the link, which was actually good, because then I could just go and look at it and be like, sort of have a sense of what the article is. Um, if it's just sort of just the citation, it's harder for me to actually find it. And then I can't really help you if you're getting stuck. Or So I was able to get the marriage. and. Happiness one, because the site, the link was provided, and so so then there's there's i'll say two types of articles that you'll tend to come across one is like a a journalistic or descriptive, and that's like the Gallup poll, the Pew Research um, things in the newspaper where they're more journalistic in nature and they're describing a phenomena um, whereas then there's uh, academic or scholarly articles that are, are scientific or theory-based. You want to avoid these because you, you're going to struggle to find good theory in there and more so focus on the scientific or theory-based. So any type of um, academic journal will give you the scientific or theory-based. So just as you're sort of pulling, looking uh, for, for articles to use. And really you only need one article independent variable, so so then evidence. Um, this is a, another thing that kind of came up. That evidence, in a, in and of itself, is not a theory. Like, if someone says we have a lot of evidence that says that that people who have a lot of money are happy, are happier, or are, are happy in general, whatever. Like, you might have a ton of data that says that, but that still is not a theory. Um, the theory would explain why income is related to happiness. So evidence can be used to build a theory when one doesn't exist. Or uh, in the case of what we're doing, evidence can be used to test a theory that has been proposed. So the role of evidence is not to sort of, this is my theory, here's the evidence. It's more um, evidence is used to test a particular theory. So again, if you think of marriage and happiness, um, there's a specific theory out there, and we're using evidence which is the GSS data, to test that theory. And then the last thing I was going to cover with this is hypothesis construction. So kind of like what I said before, a change. this is sort of the, the formula for it. A change in the independent variable is associated with a positive or negative change in the dependent variable. So you kind of want to have each of these components. So the change could be like an increase in age is positively associated with with a happiness score or a, whatever it is that you're, your dependent variable is. But you want to know, you want to identify sort of the direction of the change versus saying it's just associated or it's correlated. You want to say it's positively or negatively correlated. So and this is kind of a, a tricky one that you guys are probably seeing is that hypotheses need to be specific and then tied to the data you have available. So I think, I'll, I'll use the the marriage um, and happiness example, where if uh, if you're using that theory, that theory is saying that being married causes you, or is related to being happier, and so you want to use a variable that sort of looks at married people and not married people, um, versus I think the, the variable that's been used is um, divorce, like have you ever been divorced, which is you can see the re- you can see it's tied to it, but that's not what the theory is saying. The theory is saying being married causes you to be happy, and so even the divorce question it asks, have you ever been divorced? And the people that it's asking to those people actually might still be married, but just they're in a second marriage or third marriage. And so, so anyways, as you're forming using your theory and forming your hypothesis, make sure that your data and your variables sort of match the theory that you're testing. so Your variables need to match the hypothesis. You can recode your variable to match the hypothesis. So again, if, it's, um, if the theory is that um, black people are happier than white people, then you can just recode the race variable to just look at um, black people and white people and sort of drop out the other people and stuff. So just sort of make sure that there's sort of a, a consistent flow from your theory to your hypothesis to the actual data. That you're using, uh, and then another one that sort of came up is only use one independent variable per hypothesis. Some of you are getting elaborate, where you're saying that um, that a person's religion and race sort of interact together to affect income, or something like that. And that's a re- that's that's a valid sort of hypothesis, but it's more complex than what you would want to sort of take on because then you have sort of two moving parts. You have race moving and religion moving, and their sort of combined effect on income. And for, for, this, for this project, it's much simpler if you just sort of focus on one, one independent variable per hypothesis. And then to sort of tie it back to what we've been doing in class, um, you, you state the alternative hypothesis In your paper so sort of like your your sort of what you're sort of proposing as this is this is what I'm going to test and then you test the null hypothesis in your analysis and this this is what the analysis does it's testing what's the likelihood of getting an outcome as extreme as what we got if the null hypothesis was true so in a sense you're in your paper you, you just need to state the alternative hypothesis, and you don't even need to call it alternative. You just say, my hypothesis is that uh, married people are happier than non-married people. And then in your analysis, you're going to sort of see if there's any, if marriage has any effect on happiness, if the effect is greater than zero or, or significantly different than zero. So this is sort of kind of covering what I'm, what I'm expecting or wanting in the intro and theory section and in the hypothesis construction. Are there, um, are there specific sort of, as you're thinking about your hypotheses or your theory, are there specific things where you're just like, I'm confused about this part or, or how would I reword this hypothesis to make it sort of a, a good hypothesis that's testable? Brittany? I
1: think mine's coming more from Isn't asking about homosexual marriage; it's asking about like acceptance of homosexuality. Uh-huh, huh. And most of the theories I'm finding are based on same-sex
0: unions. So, is that too much of a stretch to like? Where is the line between what I can use? Yeah. No. I think so. Like so. Most of the articles that you're finding are about attitudes about uh, same-sex marriage. Yes. It's, you know. So the the way you can do that, because the probably the things that affect my attitudes about same-sex marriage also
1: affect... That's what I was figuring. word it in a way that says, like, this theory about same-sex marriage could be... Like,
0: yeah, okay. and so a, a way to sort of get around that is to say, um, you know, uh, well, you could say that, at, like, this theory can easily sort of be adapted to attitudes about uh, homosexual activity in general... And in sort of even at the end of the paper, when you talk about limitations of your study, you could say, "Unfortunately, the GSS doesn't have a variable that asks yeah. about same-sex marriage, yeah. and so I'm using this as sort of a, a close approximation uh-huh. to that." So, but yeah, that's it's good to sort of even if things aren't lining up, at least acknowledge it in the paper and say, uh-huh. I, "I'm aware of this," yeah. versus <laughs> sort of like, "Well, let's just see if it if I can." Slide it through and see if no yeah. one notices. Because I'll read it. I'll be like, wait, this is talking about <laughs> something different. So just acknowledge it and then sort of move forward. Um, any other, um, just as, as you're forming your hypotheses and even forming the theory, other questions that come up? That, well, let's, let's take examples. Let's, can I take one of yours, McKay? I can't remember what, what yours were, but take, take one of your hypotheses, and, and we'll... Together work to sort of form it into a... Um, Were all of yours good? I can't remember. I had a
1: job loss one that was kind of confusing.
0: Okay, so explain it just briefly.
1: Um, It was, um, like, how likely are you to lose your job in the next year? And it was, like, not likely, somewhat likely, and then, like, fairly likely, and then very likely. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. But we're, at first, r- remember you said that maybe I should recode it because it was in the opposite order? Yeah, yeah. But then yesterday, when I was trying to do the correlation between the two, it was coming out negative and saying that as you got happier, you were more likely to lose your job. Okay. When I tried recoding it. Oh, okay. So I don't
0: know. Oh, so it still I came out. More- well, so then, but then what that's saying is that um, the the more likely you are to lose your job or to think you're going to lose your job, the happier you are? Is that what it's...
1: It, when I recoded it, it was saying that. But when I left it normal, oh, it was okay. saying you're happier when you're less likely to lose your job.
0: Okay. So, but that's something where you want to look at that and see sort of, If that's really true, I mean it might be true. I don't know, but sort of making sure, um, and yeah, another thing that I guess will will be helpful as you guys are forming sort of coding your variables and forming your hypotheses. It's always best to sort of keep everything in the same direction. Mm -hmm. So if if your thing is happiness, sort of frame your hypotheses such that X increases happiness. Um, You know, so like. Marriage uh, is associated with an increase in happiness. Job stability is associated with an increase in happiness. Versus saying, it just gets confusing if you say, job instability is associated with a decrease in happiness. Then you, you just get confused because on your, on your um, figure, you're going to have negative numbers and positive numbers. And it's nice to just kind of know positive always means sort of we're moving towards greater happiness. Um, so kind of, that would just help you and help the reader to kind of like, and you can frame your paper much easier. Like, what leads to greater happiness? And then you can sort of, it's having a stable job, being married, and versus like, well this leads to greater happiness, but then this also leads to less happiness, and then your reader gets all confused because they're like, okay, wait, w- you know, what are we talking about exactly? So, same with like homosexual, attitudes about homosexuality. Sort of pick a frame like what, what causes greater tolerance? What is associated with greater tolerance towards homosexuality? Yeah,
1: that's what I was doing when I was recoding them. I was just trying to yeah, all, like, yeah yeah yeah. Same like getting conservative liberal on all of that. Yeah. It was getting really like my political views on GSS are like the opposite. Yeah. So it was like a negative correlation. Just really
0: yeah. So that's but that's good. I mean, it's good that you guys are working through that. Um, and it, just, it makes for a clearer presentation, and your reader can follow you. The other, I mean, the beneficial thing is, as you take advanced classes in sociology, this is what your papers will have to look like. Um, you probably won't have to do data analysis, or actually you will for your, if you do, like, the senior thesis or things like that. But they'll have to be framed this way, sort of what is your theory, what is the hypothesis that's being tested, and what are the outcomes, so... So this isn't just a stats thing. Chelsea, do you want to try one of your hypotheses? Um, does the matter? Uh, I like your, your complex one, your very sophisticated one. I think it's like your second to last, maybe.
1: Uh, the help poor and race, or the
0: yeah, one? Maybe it was help poor and race.
1: That was one where I put uh, another
0: independent
1: variable. OK. You know, so did you? I had IDI eliminated the lipid part.
0: OK, so then how did you, um, how did you reframe it?
1: Um, from the information gathered, it shows that people who are inclined to want more government intervention are more likely to be African American, while people who do not want government intervention
0: are more likely to be white. Okay. Good. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Um, that's yeah. I mean, it just it's it's very clear. It's straightforward. Um, yeah, because earlier you had, I had
1: liberal conservative.
0: I think. Yeah, black people tend to be more liberal and white, and, which is all right. But then it's sort of it's a different question mm-hmm. of like. Are black people more liberal and stuff like that? So.
1: Sure. I there was actually an interesting one about the happiness and the number of children you have. Okay. And um, my question is, with the happiness variable, it seems like everything is mainly between like very happy and pretty happy. Uh huh. And it's just like, are you supposed to take just like what the higher number is, or? it it seems like they're all in between, like, whatever, like, one and two, or, like, The outcome that you get? Yeah. Um, Like, when I did age, it was just, like, very similar. Like, I did 30 versus 50, and, like, one was, like, 1.3 versus, like, (coughs) 1.5. Uh-huh. So it's, like, still in that range. Yeah. But I guess one's, like, a little uh, more towards pretty happy, versus one more more towards very
0: happy. Yeah. Well, so a a way to, like, so the happiness variable isn't the greatest variable because it's not very fine grained yeah, like there's funny. only, you only have three options yeah, um, I'm but it, it's fine to, to use and another way of thinking about it is to sort of um, in your mind change the scale from instead of 1 to 3 have it be 1 to 30 okay. and so if they have a score of 2.5 that's 25 out of 30 which sort of sounds a little you know it's like oh, okay a 25 is different than a 21 versus what's the difference between 2.1 and 2.5 um so it's just sort of think like don't worry about it being so the numbers being so close to each other but but i will also say like britney's is interesting with homosexual attitudes like like she threw in a liberal person that doesn't believe in premarital sex and I mean that does that thinks premarital yeah. sex is okay and all these things and the person still ended up being opposed to homosexual activity. Literally,
1: the most I could I, I ran it again and I was I picked like the most liberal categories I because I, I, yeah. a lot of mine are like binary categories like, yeah I included it last night. but it was literally I picked someone who was had a graduate's degree who the same things like was it was liberal and then had no problem with premarital sex, and it was still like a 3.9. Like, uh-huh. It still wasn't that they had no problem with it.
0: It was still like sometimes wrong. So yeah. It was like this 3. Yeah. Well, and so, OK. So, so okay, so she's in, in, when I say like sort of um, pick hypothetical people, it's actually post, probably most interesting if you pick people at the extremes, yeah. because then you can sort of see some good variation. Um, but with, with Brittany's example, what's your R squared? or your adjusted R-squared for... It
1: was
0: .252. Okay, so her, her R-squared for her sort of final model is .252, and what that's saying is that her model explains 25% of the variation in homosexuality, yeah, exactly. in attitudes about homosexuality. What?
1: Live. That has nothing to do with religion, and I think that's like a lot of my theories. Oh, okay. Talk about
0: like how that's a big component. How re- oh, and, you don't, and have think, re- you don't have religion in it yet? Okay, and we'll talk about that today. But um, so what she's finding is even with the variables that she has in there, it's not shifting attitudes nearly as much as she thinks. And so, but what her model is missing is sort of 75% of the explained variation. So in a sense, there's other variables out there that will really swing... The attitudes about uh, homosexuality, or even happiness, like you guys are looking at job loss and marriage and stuff, but you're probably only explaining twenty percent of the variation. And so what that's sort of telling you is that you're you're missing key variables that really affect happiness. Um, so and don't worry about missing it, but it's just to more let you know that that's why you're not seeing big swings. But if you find sort of the golden variable that sort of really drives happiness, then you'll notice, like, wow, if you add this, compo- add this uh, characteristic, it really affects their happiness score. And then that's sort of what you write a paper on. You're like, wow, we find that number of children, you know, actually really affects happiness level. Um, so Chelsea. What um, about this level? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh yeah, because your your variable is is abortion okay if the family has low income. So then um, that's that's great except for one word. Um, uh, Catholics are more likely than non-Catholics. So you're going to be comparing Catholics with everyone else versus like when you say most likely it implies you know, compared to Protestants, Jewish, and, like, different subcategories.
1: That uh-huh, was kind um changing, like, that whole variable to attend, which is how often our attend religious service, would that be better to do it that way, or unless I just want to look at one
0: specific location? Well, and that's where your theory sort of dictates that. If your theory is saying, you know, Catholics... Because of their theological orientation are going to be um, more opposed to abortion than any other religious group So you could do that. but if, if the theory that you're working with says that um, religiously devout people are going to be opposed to um, abortion. Uh, okay, so then so I mean so when you ask which one would be better, it's more. The theory dictates that versus what I would say or you would say. So, and what? Um, so, what would? How would you form the hypothesis? If if health is your outcome or your dependent variable, what's the? How would you construct the hypothesis? Mm. If you do so, use this format. Education variables associated with positive Okay, so and the change of, in the education variable would it be an increase in education or a decrease? Increase. Okay, so an increase in education is associated with an increase in health. So and that's, that's all that it needs to be. You don't, you kind of, I mean, hypotheses are best when they're just simple and straightforward. So an increase in this is associated with an increase in this, or positively. Or, so anyways, that's sort of, as you're framing it, the intro and and theory is important because it sort of affects how you set up um, your models and how your your variables are coded. Uh, So the the things that we're going to cover today is how do you do multiple regression with categorical variables. And so up until this point, we've done quantitative variables and ordered categorical, which the ordered categorical we can kind of treat as quantitative because there's a... A trend in, in the values, but what do you do if you just have, in a sense, a, a nominal categorical variable or even a, a binary categorical variable? That's what we're gonna talk about: how to include those into your model. And so we're gonna we're gonna start with um, binary category categorical variables and how to interpret them. And so um, sex is a binary binary variable such that female equals zero and male equals one. And actually. I think I I recoded it to be this way, because in the GSS, it's um, one and two, which makes it more confusing. So I I recoded it so that if if you're a female, you get a score of zero, and if you're a male, you get a score of one. And that's sort of the the template for a binary variable. It has two options, um, binary, and it's typically in the format of zero and one. And so if we, if we look at a regression of, look, again, we have political views as our dependent variable. And if we look at the regression equation, it's going to be 4.088 plus 0.085 times sex. And if you, you look at this, well, you can see how I've recoded it, um, and I'll explain that more. But it's basically saying uh, if the respondent has the characteristic of being male... Um, it'll, it'll affect the political views by, increase the political views by .085. And so if you think about it in the sense of uh, a binary variable is sort of saying, do you have this characteristic or not? And so for, uh, for male, female, it's kind of weird. It's, you basically are saying, are you, you're either male or not male. And the not male is, is female. Um, so the way you would set up the regression equation is like this, and if you wanted to look at specifics, uh, if for sex equals zero for a female, it'd be political views. Multiply it out where you enter zero for sex, and so that would be the political view, mean political views score for females is four point zero eight eight, and then if the sex of the respondent was was male, you plug in one. So and then the outcome is 4.173. <clears throat> so the way you interpret this is a one-unit increase in the variable sex, i.e. going from female to male, corresponds with a 0.085 increase in political views. So again, we're still thinking in terms of a one-unit increase, but it's, it's sort of moving from one category to the other category. Um, and, and really a way of thinking about this is, does the respondent, for respondents who have this characteristic called being male, this is, if they have that characteristic, this is how it's going to affect the dependent variable. Um, so, so, that's, that's binary categorical variables. And then, uh, binary variables coded as 01, another name for them is called dummy variables. Um, I should have looked up why they're called dummy variables, um, but maybe it'll become clear as we, as we walk through it. A dummy variable equals one if the case falls into the category represented by the dummy variable. So, so this dummy variable that we created is, is um, called male. And so, <coughs> if the the case or the respondent is that, then it gets a value of one. And if they're not that then it gets the value of zero. And then, um, so the, the category assigned to the value zero is what's referred to as the reference category. And this will sort of become clear as we build out to, to larger, um, to categorical variables that have more categories. But basically, the reference category is, is the category that's assigned the value zero. And so it's sort of like, when you look at males, you're, you're comparing them in, in reference to the reference category. So how much different are males to females in regards to political views and so on. Uh, so so be- the beta male is the effect that being male has on the dependent variable relative to the reference category of being female. So it's just, it's like a much more complicated way of saying we're comparing males to females. But it's a way to sort of quantify it so that you can say, you know. So when we say it's a, a 0.5, 0.085 increase in political views, it's sort of saying that's the difference between being male and being not male. And so if, if and I put this on here, um, a link that you guys can go to for creating dummy variables in the GSS. And so even like your binary ones, it's probably helpful to convert them into zero one um variables because when you do predicted probabilities it's easier to put in a value of one or zero because it sort of it turns on the maleness or it turns off the maleness versus sort of, oh do I put a one or a two for sex in there. And I'll walk through sort of more of what this the implications for this for larger Um, so incorporating uh, nominal categorical variables, and this is probably where a lot of you guys are at, is you have some nominal variables, and you're like, well, how do I put them into the model? And some of you have probably tried um, to put religion into your model, and it'll actually give you a coefficient, and it'll tell you whether or not it's significant, but if you think of religion, it's, you have Catholic people, uh, Protestant people, Jewish people, other religion, and like, in the variable is coded such that Catholic might equal one, Protestant might equal two, Jewish might equal three, and other equals four. And um, if you put that in the regression just like that, it's going to sort of pretend like Catholic people are the lowest people of the religion category and other are the highest. And it's going to say, is there any type of correlation between going from Catholic to other? And it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. What you're wanting to do is look at, is this person Catholic or not? Is this person Protestant or not? Jewish or not? Or other? And so um, what we'll be doing is we'll convert a variable with k categories into k-1 dummy variables with the, the kth category being the reference group. So anytime you have a nominal um, categorical variable, you're going to have a uh, k number of categories that they could be. And then, so let's say with religion, we have four categories. We're going to create three dummy variables in, for, for, the, for three of the categories. And then the last category is your reference category. So, and again, so like if, um, sort of if you want to do what Chelsea's doing, if she's most interested in Catholics and how Catholics differ from the rest of religions you would make Catholic your reference category. Because then you could see how all these other religions differ from being Catholic. Um, so, and so your reference category is typically the category that you're most interested in analyzing, that you're, that you're thinking has the biggest effect. So if you want to know how white people differ from the rest of the population, you put white, white, white person as the, the reference category, and so on. What, um, do, let's see, Rachel, do you have a, a nominal categorical variable that you're using? Okay, so nominal uh, means name, <laughs> and it means, uh, so it, it, it has um, multiple categories, okay? You might not, I mean. Yeah, I don't think so. Let's see, did you have any? Um,
1: workstat.
0: Okay, workstat, yeah. and what, what are the categories?
1: Um, working full time, working part time, temporarily not working, unemployed, laid off, retired, school, keeping house,
0: and other. Okay. So that's that's good. And do you have that one too? It works out,
1: but I just changed it to employed and employed. Yeah. Perfect.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, and then what did you do with it? What did you do with a person who's in school?
1: I just, I like to employ employed and employed.
0: Okay. Sorry, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. So you sort of drop the rest of the people from. So that's yeah, that's that's a perfect way to do it. Um, it can be; it's a simple way to do it. Uh, let's see, and and so your your hypothesis related to that variable is what? Um, if you're
1: working full time, you're more likely to have high levels of happiness.
0: Okay, so then um, what's how could you recode or manipulate that variable? To, that to fit your to fit your um, your hypothesis okay yeah so so then what you're doing is you're sort of converting it into a binary variable and so you would want to have um, it, and it doesn't I mean you, like in that case you could say employed equals one and unemployed equals zero so that like people who are employed of an increase in happiness. Um, Brittany, did you have a, a nominal?
1: I coded religion, so it was. Okay. Or
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and, and part of it is sort of playing with it to see what has the bigger effect, and yeah. see what what's um try and sort of make sense of what's going on. With the variables, so um, in this case, race is a, is a three categorical variable. It's white, black, and other. And so this this uh, code here, race m colon one, creates two dummy variables, where black uh, and other with white as the reference category. So, and again, this is in the description of of the GSS, of the link that I sent you. But um, so the way that you would interpret the output. So what you'll see is that it's, you know, we started with, with one variable called race, and when we did m colon one to create two dummy variables, it, it created a variable called black and a variable called other. And it's basically saying um, if, if the respondent is black, then its effect on political views will be a negative 0.3, .349, Uh, decrease in political views Um, and that's relative to the reference category so relative to white people so the political views of of black people will be sort of um, a decrease in 0.349 and then other um, compared to white people is is negative 0.263 so what this doesn't allow us to do is how do black people differ from other people like we don't we can sort of look at the coefficients but both of these are sort of how do they differ from the reference category so if you're really interested in sort of black people in the rest of the population then you would have black be the reference category um you have a
1: question uh, yeah I don't, I don't know about that yeah but that's I fine i like i was reading this and it, when you say the, the r squared do you have to do the r squared for just like all Or can you just do it with, like, when you do the regression, just do the di- when you just put
0: the dependent and then the five independence, just that r, r squared one? Yeah, I mean, so what should be happening, if you just do a sort of just one independent variable, one dependent variable, you'll have an r squared value. You kind of look at it. And when you add another variable, yeah. your r squared should go up. Yeah. And so if you just sort of go to the end and look at your r squared, it's not in reference to anything. So you don't know if 0.21, an R squared of 0.21 is actually any better than. So
1: you want, so each put it for each one? Yeah,
0: so you just like, sort of. I was going to do like <coughs> a
1: regression for each like independent and dependent. Just uh-huh. for example. And then like yeah. the final one, I was going to put all of them together. Yeah, like
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and basically what you're showing is that the model becomes a better model yeah. when I, you know, but it's by saying, like, when I just had one variable in, it only explained 1%, but when I put in all five, it, it, it boosted it up to 20%. With, with the dummy variables, it's, it's kind of like a, a switch um, that you're, you take each of the categories, and, and a person can only fall into one of the categories. So it's sort of like, if the person is black, then it's sort of turning that switch on to equal one for black people, and it turns every other switch off. So, like other would be zero, and so you're you're just sort of seeing um, like if they have this characteristic, then this is what the effect would be. Um, but I think as far as interpreting the the tricky part is remembering that it's in it's in comparison to the reference category. So that's where it's important to know, because if you just say um, being black results in a, a decrease of negative 0.349, what, is that, what does that mean? Like, compared to what? Um, whereas like, when we have quantitative variables, um, <coughs> being, being 20 years old sort of has a certain effect, but it's in reference to being 30 years old, being 40 years old, or so on. So interpreting nominal categorical, uh, so being black compared to being white corresponds with a negative 0.349 change in the value of political views. And being other corresponds with a negative 0.263 change in the value of political views. Um, and so then the way that the regression equation for this is you treat each of these as a variable. And this, this is the same for binary as well, but um, the, the nominal sort of expands it out because you have multiple variables. But, so black becomes a variable, other becomes a variable, and they each have a coefficient associated with it. And then if I want to know um, the political views of white people, um, I would just, so a white person has a score of zero on black and also a score of zero on other, and then the outcome would be 4.181. Rachel, if I wanted to do the political views of black people, what would be the regression equation? Okay, what would be the value for that? That you zero. Okay, so if we do political views of black people, on, on the black variable, they have a score of one, um, whereas on the other variable, they have a score of zero. <clears throat> and then the same with other, they get a score of one on other and a score of zero on black. And then the, the tricky thing is sometimes you'll want to do this, where it'll be like, Uh, you'll want to give a score for one for black and a score for one for other, but that's just, it's an invalid prediction because a characteristic of nominal categorical variables is that you can only fit into one category. Um, So with, with race or religion, there might be a variable called mix, you know, where it's a mix of two different races, but that would be a separate category. So just make sure that you would know why, like, sort of, again, what how you're setting up your regression equation to make predictions. Oh, categories need to be mutually exclusive. A person cannot be both black and other, at least with this data. And then uh, the last thing that, that sort of is, is coming up, as you guys are sort of dropping people, like um, with Chris and McKay, as you're saying, OK, I'm only going to look at employed and unemployed, um, a thing to to be aware of is that you might get to a point where, you know, say you only want to look at um, Unemployed Jewish people living in the south uh, your your sample is going to be highly constrained, and you might only have you know ten people left like valid cases and so make sure you 're not um, straining your sample so small that you're actually your degrees of freedom are dropping too low to where you can 't do an analysis um, but I think most of you are starting off with fifty thousand cases, so there 's a good chance um, that you won't get that, but I guess in in your your final report or project, you're gonna have to put um, the n that you're working with, and that's sort of the n of your final analysis. Um, so, like, Chris, do you have your do you have your full model like with all of your independent variables? You like oh, okay. Well, even in in GSS, like yeah, I have all these. Okay, and what it, does it say what your valid case, for your largest model with the most? Oh, you mean like
1: the totals? Yeah. Like the cases, that's like all the, the one that use. 26,269. Okay. Because uh, yeah, valid cases 26,276. Okay, and all.
0: that's for your regression or? This is
1: for my This was for my Dis- independent. Okay. And then like my independent, right? like one of my independents was 28,785. So okay. For most, The only one them, yeah, they're all like, like at least uh, and 50, okay,
0: okay. So and it's just in, in um, your final, so uh, if a person is missing data on any one of your variables, so like say they didn't sort of give um, a response to Workstat, then they'll be dropped from your analysis. So the, the end that really matters is your final model where you put all the variables together. And so it's, it's a matter of um, putting in, that would be your end. Is whatever is in your final sample, your final analysis. Cases has missing data for any of the independent variables; it will be removed from the regression analysis. Uh, if there's a lot of missing data, your sample could could be greatly reduced. And as you build a model, keep an eye on the number of valid cases in your model. Another thing to, to keep in mind is is there's sometimes reasons for missing data. So, like, let's say. Uh, you know the the question about income. Uh, all the Asian people um, opted to not answer that question, and so you have tons of missing data on a specific group. Um, that's going to affect your analysis, and you'd almost have to say, "I can't, I can't, um, I can't do an analysis on Asian people and income because over 50 percent of the Asian respondents didn't answer this question." So. For fifty percent of the people, we just simply don't know what their income is, and so that's something to, to be aware of. Like, we won't really get into that with this, but like, you will want to sort of say, "Oh, you know, that that's sort of a a way to criticize a study is sort of looking at the missing data, or like, well, what if what if like the people that you're analyzing none of them really responded to the question." Uh, how can you sort of make inferences about that population? Consider leaving out variables that have lots of missing data. The next one is our variable selection, and this is sort of what you guys are in the process of doing right now, is sort of well, what variables do we sort of put in our final model? So the, the p-value for an independent variable can be taken as a rough measure of how helpful uh, that variable is to the model. So sort of, um, you know, if, if, you, if you had a variable you thought was going to be really significant, Uh, Well, I'll think of like McKay's if you're looking at the variable divorce And you're like, oh should I use the variable divorce or use the variable Marital status or whatever. It's sort of walking through this process of looking at which one is (coughs) is more significant And you can prune insignificant variables from the model to say, you know I thought this one was going to be good, but this one actually seems to be better And you can also look at the relationships between independent variables and so if two Two variables are strongly associated. Perhaps both are not necessary. So, like if you're looking at religion and you have both religious affiliation and religious attendance, and they seem to be canceling each other out, you can remove those. Remove one of those, or keep it in. Okay. Some ways of deciding whether or not a variable should be included: Does it improve the adjusted R-squared? Does it sort of add explanatory value? Um, does it help you in explaining the dependent variable? Does it have a low p-value? Uh, is it associated with the response by itself or with the dependent variable by itself? Like does it have a, a clear direct effect? And is it strongly associated with any other uh, independent variables? If yes, then including both would be redundant. And the last um, one is is compounding variables, which we talked about at the very um, beginning of the course. And it's basically you have Two variables are, are related to each other, but then there's a third variable that's associated with it, associated with both of those. And that's where, where regression, multiple regression comes in, where like, if you suspect there's a confounding variable that it could explain the relationship between your independent and dependent variable, multiple regression allows you to test for confounding variables. So before, we could just look at you know, a relationship between two variables. With multiple regression, we can actually put that third variable, the confounding variable, into the model, and the the thing that you would see is that um, see whether an independent variable is still significant even after including the potential confounding variable in the model. So, like if there's a variable that's sort of really affecting the outcome, if you put that variable in, your original independent variable is going to lose effectiveness. It's just going to the it's going to become insignificant because sort of the real variable has been added to the model. That kind of covers sort of the, the things I wanted to address today. Are there specific any other specific questions? So even if it's highly specific, it's fine because you're probably not the only one. In fact, multiple people have emailed me saying I have questions. So, so other people have questions. So, Brittany.
1: I had a question. Uh-huh. And then I, I wasn't sure if that was, like, ordered or numerical one. ordered or but then I ended up recoding it, so it was just, like, once a month or more. Or okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. with that, do I just use that, like, as a dominant variable?
0: Yeah. So, and again, like, yeah, with, with, with the variables, a lot of times it provides more information than you really want. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of, if, if you really think the the threshold is if you attend at least once a month, then sort of collapse all of the people who attend once a month or more and compare them with people who attend less than once a month. Okay. And then in your write-up, you are you know, you just, you, you be explicit about it. Like, this variable <coughs> is uh, comparing people who attend greater than once a month with those who attend less than once a month. Okay. This is good. I mean, basically, like, tonight's assignment, in a sense, you you will have had You'll, you'll know everything you need to sort of incorporate all of your variables into your model. And so practically, tomorrow, you should have your, your models um, finished, like at least sort of... Like the Excel
1: model thing? The, what do you mean by the
0: model? Like the Excel model, but on oh, Excel? Uh, yeah, well, when I, when I say model, I'm saying sort of um, the, your regression model like uh, which is know, so your dependent, mean, sort of like what you would plug into GSS with your, your dependent variable and then all of your independent variables. Kind of like that
1: stuff? This was like the
0: model yes. for all of them? Yes, yep, okay. yep. And um, what we're gonna do uh, tomorrow in class is um, more of a workshop of looking at each other's models and sort of even explaining, okay, this is my dependent variable. These are the, um, the independent variables. This is how I coded them. And sort of this is where I'm still having a problem or I was trying to figure out how to recode this variable. And so it's basically helping you guys to troubleshoot or critique each other's um, sort of models. Uh, So basically come to class um, with your full, like sort of the printout there would be good. And even if um, making, I guess, seven copies, but it should just be one page. Does it all fit on one page? yeah, so, uh, so really all we want is um, the final model, which has all of your variables sort of coded uh, appropriately and stuff. Um, but again, it's, it doesn't have to be the final product, but it's more, okay, this is, this is where I'm at. Um, or if you have two models, like, well, I don't know if I should use this variable or this variable, you can bring more than one. But that's what we'll be sort of just working through, troubleshooting those things. And then I have uh, your exams. No. You forgot okay, I don't have to uh... no, I forgot it. So um, the mean mean was 76. so compared to, to 72, you want to know what your, um, what your sort of where your grade I didn't put it specific grades, um, but if you kind of want to know where it falls in there, it gives you a rough estimate, but that's a rough estimate so. Oh, um, but that gives you a very rough estimate. And if you have um, questions, I'll, I'll post the solutions. If you like your grade, you know that's fifteen percent of your overall grade. If you're not pleased with your grade, it's only fifteen percent of your overall grade. Whereas, the the final project is thirty percent. Homework, I think, is thirty percent.